All right, guys. Our next guest is genuinely one of our favorites to chat to and also one of the best analysts in the sport. You know him from his excellent work. I mean, excellent work on Morning Combat, on Showtime with Brian Campbell, and also on CBS Sports. One half of Tip to Tip, Luke Thomas. Welcome back to your... Not so much second home, but maybe like a, a regular low-budget hourly motel where, you know, at least you're known on a first-name basis. How are you, man? If you've never stayed in a hotel that you can rent by the hour, you've never lived. I'll put it that way. <laughs> that's that's a whole separate other other episode of Submission Radio. <laughs> Fair enough. That's right. I'm, we're glad to, to be the hookers in your life, Luke. Mm. And I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. There's only... Speak, you know, there's only one real fight we need to get your thoughts on when it comes to the pay-per-view coming this weekend. And that's not to put uh, no, a lot of people down on the card because there's a couple of other really fascinating fights. But the big one, the big question mark, the one that people have been trying to figure out is this Kamara Usman-Gilbert Burns fight. And that is because it's such an excellent matchup. Burns has a very well-rounded skill set in terms of knockout power and striking elite jiu-jitsu but we've also seen Usman neutralize specialists specialists like Damien Meyer and dangerous guys like Jorge Masvidal, Tyron Woodley, Colby Covington. I mean how do you look at this matchup and what would you say is Burns's biggest threat that he presents to Usman? Well he certainly has a familiarity with his game that nobody else did. I mean the reality is when you have that much tape on someone you know it's hard to know exactly how much of an advantage it is to be a training partner, but it still must be some kind of an advantage, right? If you've trained with a guy for six years, you not only know what he's good and bad at, but you saw how he got good or, you know, where they were six years ago and then where they were maybe a few years after that, then a few years after that, how they developed what they were, you know, they're, they're, you, you were witness to their journey as much as your own. And so um, that has to help, right? You have to know where the guy's weak spots might be. You have to know, um, where he overextends, where he's just you know a brick wall. You tend to have all of that roadmap worked out. Now the question is, do you have what it takes to, um, you know, make full use of that? That's actually a something of a different scenario. But it's got to be the information. I mean, they're just how much can Trevor Whitman do with Kamar Usman over the course of a couple of camps that can shake up Gilbert Burns's understanding of what he's up against? The answer is probably some. Right? I mean, I think you have to account for that. But the biggest win that, uh, advantage anyway, that someone like Burns has is the total amount of information they get to work with. You just don't normally see this kind of information uh, gap. And when I say gap, I mean a gap that small uh, at high-level MMA. Mm. I guess one of the interesting things, and I think a, a lot of opponents for Kamara Usman in the past haven't really been able to regulate or figure out how really good he is at the wrestling, especially when it comes up to being able to hold someone up against the cage, being able to sort of dictate what's happening in that octagon. Would you say that that's probably the big thing that Gilbert Burns will at least have experienced and kind of understands going into this fight? All right, this is where he's at. Because that's not going to be something that's going to change tremendously over a couple of camps. Right. And the other part is, I mean, if there's anything Trevor Whitman's probably going to give him, it's going to be, you know, I would imagine predominantly, although one never knows, I suppose, but predominantly in the footwork, stand-up department, range management, entry into attacks. Because, you know, one thing that Camaro, I think that, you know, I mean, Trevor Whitman's not going to change, I think, one thing about Camaro, which is Camaro just presses into guys. Now, not just recklessly, he has a strategy about it, but that forward pressure, that constant pressure... Yes, and once he gets the takedown, that's what you're talking about there. But the other part of that is that that relentless pressure. Um, I, I suspect that Trevor's going to make that 
you know, very different, cleaned that up a lot, and so we'll have to see. But yeah, it's like, where do you fight this guy? All right, I want to fight him under these conditions. If that goes away, now where do you fight him? If that goes away, now what do you do? Where do you hit the gas? Where do you hit the brakes? What are you looking for? What are you not? You know, those kinds of things. He's going to have a lot of space to work with in that sense. But, you know, the reality, I, I, I mean, you know, you can go up against someone you know a lot about, a training partner you've had. Just because you're training partners doesn't mean you're equals. I mean, we, we throw that term around like other oh, training partners are more or less the same. No. Like, you, there can be a vast disparity between training partners. Not in everything. I mean, there can be times where, you know, this one particular situation, this other one has the upper hand. But in general, X is better than Y. So I want to be clear about that, too. Just because they've trained a lot doesn't mean um, Gilbert's got a lot of the answers. But you're right. I think in terms of knowing where to expend energy, when to hit the alarm bell, when to sort of take your time, I do think in that sense um, he's going to have a decent leg up on most of the other opposition that Kamaru's had to date. Mm. Well, Dan Hardy on the War Room was uh, doing a great job. He made a. I wonder what you think about this point, which is that if Gilbert Burns can somehow put Kamaru Usman on his back for a great wrestler like Usman, he's going to be in foreign territory and he may be, you know, pretty uncomfortable being on his back as opposed to say Gilbert Burns, who being a jiu-jitsu guy would be super comfortable being on his back. And also of those rounds that they sparred together, you got to think that gives Burns a lot of times to just figure out, you know, how do I take this guy down? I imagine if you're, you know, being competitive or getting your ass kicked, you know, day in and day out, eventually you might Go home and figure out, this guy's always beating me up. How do I, you know, take him down and put the fight, you know, more towards my favor? Yeah, I mean, I do think that will be part of it. But I'm a little bit skeptical that that's a long-range way to look at the fight. What I mean by that is something similar to what you saw with Tyron Woodley. Burns got him down, which by itself is a pretty remarkable achievement. Mm. I mean, I know it's coming on the heels of... Um, you know, uh, at that point, uh, Kamara already done it, and I can't remember where it fell in the Colby fight. Maybe the Colby one was last. But in any case, it wasn't the first time you'd seen it, but it was still pretty, you know, historically rare for someone like Tyron Woodley. And he was able to hold him down for a little bit. But, you know, it's going to be hard to hold down a guy like that even when you take mount on them, which I think he was able to do, um, and do significant ground and pound. I mean, it's going to, you know, you, you can do some, and he was able to do some. I just mean... If I had to ask you, is that why he won the fight? You'd say, well, that's definitely part of the reason, but no, not really, not by itself. That doesn't tell the story. The story is that he was able to get some takedowns and do some significant damage while down there, but really it wasn't the stand-up. But this is the point. What connects the two, as you guys well know, is that if you can create a credible threat of the takedown, that's going to slow someone like that down a lot, right? And Tyron Woodley's a little more prone to backing up than Kumaru, which makes the need all the more urgent. I suspect that, you know, if you ask me, is it possible and do we, will we see one, uh, a takedown of Kamaru by Gilbert. I think you probably will. I don't, I don't, you know, I couldn't guarantee such a thing, but I don't think that's at all crazy. The question is, I don't, you know, can you, can you, can you win over five rounds like that? I don't think you can. I, I, Kamaru's too strong. His base is too good. He's a much better, I mean, he's been wrestling for all of his life. And, and Dorino can wrestle his ass off too for a guy who picked it up a little bit later. But I, that's a hard way to win a fight. But if you can take him down just enough, make him really worried about it. And you've already got the development in your stand-up game that he's already got. Well, now you're cooking with gas. Now you've got something. Because he might be so worried about the takedown, his hands aren't where they're supposed to be. And then he might be so worried about your hands that you can get the takedown even easier and one builds off of the other. So I do think that is absolutely going to be part of the threat of any kind of successful game plan. I don't think Burns playing guard off his back is, can he win that way? Probably. Would you bet on it? Mm, I don't know. 
So I think to your point, to Dan Hardy's point, you, know, you got to get in Kamaru's face. You got to fight fire with fire. But can you do that for 25 minutes? I don't think so. So you got to be strategic about it and then use the other parts of your game to build around it. Mm, I think when people look at this fight and Burns as a threat, uh, and I think his key to winning it, the people visualize it as a finish more than anything, like maybe a knockout or maybe a, a, a submission. But also one of the things that makes it interesting is like with Colby Covington, he's got the volume, he's got the cardio, not so much the knockout power, something that Burns has. And then you take him on the ground and well, you know, Maybe not the the floor is lava, but he's very dangerous on the ground as well. Very dangerous. I'm curious though when you when you look at say Usman's wrestling compared to um, Burns's jiu-jitsu, we've seen Usman neutralize guys like Damian Maya. Do you think it's a similar story, or do you think Burns brings something new, something different that he can threaten with that would you know set up a submission like that? No, he's definitely got something a little bit different. I mean, Maya's jiu-jitsu in terms of its skill and you know technical level of specificity is borderline, you know, unparalleled, but he often had some technique that was an accommodation for his lack of athletic gifts, which is to say he was like a bad athlete or something. I don't mean that, but for example, you know, he would shoot a double and everyone kind of stuffed his double. It wasn't very good. So then he would kind of baseball slide underneath and then grab a hold with his legs and then use that to fire an underhook underneath. And that would be a bad position by most accounts to be underneath, but if you're Demi and Maya, you know, you can make a lot of good work with that. So here's my point. That's a, I mean, they don't like, you know, they may teach that in some schools, but that was really like an adaptation that this guy made to deal with the fact that he was going up against wrestlers who were far more athletic than he was totally. Now I'm not, I, I don't know who's the better athlete between Kamaru and Gilbert, but let's just pause it for a moment that it's Usman. It wouldn't be Usman by a mile. You're asking what's the difference between a guy like Gilbert and a guy like Demian. Dude, Gilbert is a phenomenal athlete. If you look at his jiu-jitsu, here's the best way I would explain it. You've got guys in jiu-jitsu who are good at, um, they're, they're a little bit better in the gi than they are in no gi or vice versa. Or you've got guys who are a little bit better with the point system versus submission only or vice versa, right? And then there's going to be any combination of the two in there. If you had to pick out a style that is good with the gi, without it, sub only, or by points, Gilbert's got that. Gilbert may not, I mean, he, by the way, he's a black belt world champion, but let's just say he's not Hydra Gracie with the, with the gi. He's not uh, Gordon Ryan without the gi. You know, he's not one of these, uh, not 10th planet guys who sub only. And, you know, obviously he did well in points, but, you know, pick your best points player ever or something like that. He's not necessarily the goat in the, that sense, but he's got a style that is good at every single one of those types of things. He is athletic. He has arm drags. He has quick back takes. He can invert underneath. He can stand up. He can do traditional wrestling. Dude, he's a handful athletically relative to someone like Demi and Maya. So no doubt about it, he is going to have super active mobile hips. It's not, you know, it's something like uh, Maya, especially late stage Maya, was kind of like, a, you know, the gray bearded wizard from Lord of the Rings. And I'm not sure exactly. I'm not sure exactly what the equivalent of Gilbert would be, but it'd be more like uh, who was the dude in, in European promises? Uh, Vigo Mortensen. Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. he's a, he, whoever character he played in Lord of the Rings. I'm butchering this, but it's a little bit like that. It's it's a little bit more athletic. And with that athleticism and you already have, you know, black belt championship jiu-jitsu, dude, you can do a shitload with that. Yeah, but, uh, just just quickly to, to help you there, Luke. Uh, Demi Meyer is the gray-bearded wizard, and then uh, Burns is like the young wizard with the leather jacket and a bike, and he stays that way past his bedtime. <laughs> yeah, so something <laughs> like that, yes. And Luke, the other area that people are sort of curious about, the striking, what kind of improvements do you think we'll see from Kamaru and Gilbert when it comes to UFC 258? 
Well, with Burns, I think you see, you know, you can see a lot of the development in Burns that you can with Chandler. You know, Chandler switching stances um, through combination and going high-low and outside-in and all the kind of stuff. I mean, it's impressive what they've done with that guy, not just with this one, with the Benson Henderson win. Same kind of thing. Not the exact same setups, but, you know, part of that same family of trickery and whatnot. You know, I, I don't know this to be true, but I wonder if Henry Hooft is like, not just a good striking coach, if he is especially good at nurturing the development of the kind of, you know, I came from wrestling slash grappling, could you make me a better striker? If he's really good with that kind of a guy. Um, you saw that with the Tyron Woodley fight, right? So I'm expecting a lot of feints, setups, at distance. He's going to want to be a lot of lateral movement from Gilbert Burns. And then at some point, I think he's going to want to really pressure um, uh, Kamaru backwards, but not at first. With Kamaru, I think what you're looking for with him is also... Um, you know, he's going to want to be in a position where he's going to need to wrestle immediately if the, you know, to, to, to down block, if that comes to it, um, while also finding an appropriate angle to the back, you could find an angle to the back from standing an outside angle for a big punch. He's going to want to pressure forward and cage cut. He's going to want to get the choices of Gilbert Burns really narrowed to cut off that lateral movement. So, you know, in terms of cleaning it up for Kamaru, I don't know that it's a ton of stuff you have to do more than just a set of individual changes. Like rather than stepping this way, try this little tweak a little bit. Okay, try that tweak a little bit. Let's have this slight difference in strategy. It's not it's not a huge amount of difference. Whereas you know, Gaethje was a big problem that they had to solve. Kamaru doesn't have that. He's a little bit limited, and you know, he doesn't have that wide open striking style. But he's not like he doesn't have this retrograde uh, approach. It's just a little bit of like. What refinements can you add to it to build upon it? So um, in that sense, the specifics, I don't really know what Whitman's going to do for him. It's going to be very interesting to see, but you need to make sure you've got those things in place. Down blocking, explosion, finding an angle, getting to a body lock, a body lock that you can change to a lower level, hip attack, leg attack, that kind of a thing. Um, that those are his bread and butter and you shouldn't take that away and I don't think that he will. Yeah, I think almost in those moments where Usman wants to put Burns against the cage and sort of get in there for the clinch, uh, if Burns can find an opening for a big shot, you know, that might be sort of his his best chance at winning there. But guys, I got to remind you, Valentine's Day is around the corner. And if you like me and you like getting your balls licked, you got to make sure that those beans are smooth like eggshells. Just do everybody a favor. Get the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0, the, the best grooming tool on the planet with the 7,000 RPM motor, the LED light, so you can shave in the dark. It's waterproof, so you can shave in the shower. And uh, about 90 minutes of battery life, so you can shave to your heart's content, not just your balls. You can shave everywhere. Manscaped have all sorts of things to keep your beans uh, not only smooth, but smelling great. They have ball deodorants. They have uh, wipes. They have all sorts of comfortable underwear, nose hair trimmers, basically everything to uh, make you the best version of yourself you can possibly be. And also, they're giving away a discount with the code SUBMISSION, which gets you 20% off at checkout. Just lovely, lovely. Guaranteeing you a good time on Valentine's Day. Thanks to Manscaped. Isn't that right, Dennis? That's right, man. Get those smooth balls licked this Valentine's Day with Manscaped. And also, Cass, you know I like betting. No matter the spot, we're given the choice between a three-hour baseball game, a four-hour football game, or a 15-minute MMA fight. You know, this is Submission Radio. We take MMA every time. There's only one place that you should go, though, for that feeling, and that is my bookie. Not only my bookie supports a whole bunch of athletes and people in the MMA industry. They're also sponsoring Submission Radio. They also make better bonuses, more MMA odds than other sports book, period. So make sure, get this code word, SUBMISSION, and MyBookie will match your deposit halfway up to $1,000. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E, 
don't forget to enter the promo code SUBMISSION. There you go. Um, now, quickly, Luke, I want to get your thoughts on Usman because his, his style is kind of... He's, he's a bit of an underappreciated champion because he doesn't necessarily have the most exciting style. But what we... But I, I would say that in some way you can make the comparisons between him and GSP, where like neither guy was super flashy, neither guy was known for, say, uh, a crazy fight-ending particular skill set, but they're both kind of... Um, all about control, control and defense first, both very methodical, both got the cardio, and both just so well-rounded. When you think of GSP, it's almost like his best attribute is he's so well-rounded, and he focuses on controlling the fight and, you know, dictating it. What do you what do you think about the comparison between Usman and GSP, and the fact that Usman's kind of coming for GSP's record, statistics-wise? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a there is some overlap, but you have to be a little bit careful about it, which is to say... That's late stage GSP. I mean, if you're talking about the GSP who head kicked Matt Hughes or broke the face of Josh Koscheck with a jab, mm. you know, and then was able to keep that up over the course of 25 minutes, Kamaru is not that. That's not what he does. Uh, he can he can strike as we all saw in the Colby Covington fight. He is well rounded. To your point, um, the similarities come when you talk about late stage GSP, where he was really looking for the takedown, finding it at all costs, and once he got it, his opponents couldn't really do shit about it. That's sort of where um, Kumaru is at this point. I think that's the kind of thing you would want to look at. If Kumaru had, you know, a body of work prior to this current style, there'd probably be a lot more appreciation for what he's able to do. But I'm with you. Like, he's, he's you know, yes, does he blow you away every time, you know, he's on there doing what he's doing? Not necessarily, especially with the Jorge Masvidal fight. But, dude, if you get a guy who can just ground you to a halt, I, I understand that, like, um, that doesn't please everybody, and for good reason. It, 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 you know, something like that shouldn't necessarily please everybody. I don't think that's the worst crime in the world, or the worst criticism, rather. Um, but at the same time, if you know, you look at what a guy like Jorge Masvidal is capable of. You look at a guy like what Dos Anjos is capable of. I mean, they're capable of extraordinary violence, and they couldn't do almost anything. Um, that takes pretty significant skill. It just, it's you know, whether you like it or not, it's just the reality. You have to be very, very, very talented. Big, strong, unrelenting cardio. You just have to have a lot of special gifts, work ethic, and a mindset to pull something like that off. It's not easy to do. So, you know, will he be appreciated in his own time? You keep winning, eventually it kind of comes around, especially in the heavier weight classes, um, although this approach is a little bit harder to get there than GSP, who sowed a lot of interest early and then, you know, kind of milked it towards the end. <laughs> also, what's next for the winner, do you think, Luke? And how much do you think it affects what happens in the division next if Gilbert Burns wins, for example? Do you think it opens up the floodgates? You know, people like, we know that Covington and Masvidal are waiting to fight each other, but let's say Gilbert Burns wins. All of a sudden, there's fresh matchups. Maybe Masvidal tries another run at the title. Maybe Covington tries to have another run at the title before they fight each other. Also, we know Edwards and Chimeyev are fighting sometime soon. So to break down the picture for us if Burns wins. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's like uh, I think the UFC would rather probably have somebody like Kamaru win because Kamaru, while somewhat unpopular for what he, the way he fights, and again, I'm not suggesting that is valid, but you know, it does seem to be a thing that exists at least in part. Uh, he's also building rivalries with guys. You know, he fought Jorge, and he, there's a bit of a rivalry going there. He fought Colby, and there's a rivalry there. He beat Tyron, and well, Tyron kind of fell off, but you get the idea. Like he's kind of been the man there for a while. He's made everyone look a little bit bad. You're beginning to build a, like the, the, the narrative. The, the entire welterweight narrative is built around him. Gilbert Burns would very much disrupt that. And you kind of have to not start from scratch, but there's a lot of do-over that would have to happen if he ends up winning. Now, that's not a reason to root for him or not. I mean, this game is so hard. These opportunities are so few and far between. 
I always tell you, like, who do I root for? The, the one who deserved it at the end. You know what I mean? Like, when it's all over, whoever did the most amount of work to get their hand raised – um, fairly, of course, uh, that, that's the one you have to, that's the one you have to sort of salute. So that's what I want to look for here. Um, I think if Gilbert wins, it does change things a lot. Like Covington versus Gilbert, that could be really interesting, especially mm. Jorge Masvidal. Dude, Jorge Masvidal is very well-rounded. You know, we've been having this debate about who's the best boxer in UFC. Is it, uh, is it Poirier? Is it Holloway? Well, maybe it is those two. You better add Masvidal's name to that list. I'm mm. telling you that right now. He is a shortlist top three. Um, so, you know, you're talking about that kind of stuff and the things he can do and he's got good jujitsu and he's wrestling and he's experienced to me, it opens it back up a little bit. Kamaru, a very dominating figure there, Gilbert winning. I think Gilbert is capable of beating any elite Walter weight, but I don't know that he's got that, you know, overwhelming presence in the division just yet. Whereas Kamaru kind of does. Mm, do you believe that if Covington does fight Masvidal, that's the fight? for who fights Usman next if he does remain champion? Or do you think this Edwards-Chimea Edwards fight, especially if Edwards wins yet again, hard to deny that man a title shot? Or Chimea, no, considering sold. how much the UFC seem mm. to like him. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you this. If Edwards wins, I'm happy to give him a title shot. He was supposed to fight Tyron Woodley back in March, and the guy has been screwed. You know, not, not, I'm not saying the UFC went after to screw him, and far from it. I mean, they were doing a lot for him, you know, back in that March show, and then the world just fell apart basically uh <laughs> and then he got covid and then everyone knows the story and so that guy deserves a, a, a better opportunity and so if he goes in there and beats chemayev i'm I, even if chemayev doesn't even look good losing you know what i mean like if he just looks like totally outmatched you're like oh there was a bit of a hype job here doesn't matter to me that's the guy who should be next i think mm -hmm. he's earned it even if his style to me is not necessarily all that exciting chemayev though even if he beats edwards i don't know man like I'm not telling you he's not for real because I don't know that. I don't know that he's for real either. There's just not a lot of evidence one way or the other. The Mearshart fight would have been an interesting test, but he blew the doors off of him. Okay, I mean, the guy obviously hits hard, and he is clearly talented. Let's just be totally clear about that. I just need to see a little bit more evidence, and beating Edwards would definitely be evidence that you're legit. I mean, let's mm. be clear about that. But is it enough to leapfrog to some of those guys and what they've been through? To me, you'd have to beat Edwards and one more. That probably won't be what happens. They probably will just give him a title <laughs> shot if he beats Edwards because of the the you know the momentum he's built. Mm. But personally speaking, I feel like Edwards wins, give him one. If not, two more for or at least one more after Edwards for Chemayev. It'll be funny if he beats Edwards, but then they give him a title shot of middleweight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, he's done you enough. Know, guys. Stranger things have happened. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd love to see the Dana White spin on that one. Yeah, this kid's for real. Yeah, he's going to middleweight. I love it. Uh, <laughs> he's a bad boy yeah uh we'll end on this luke uh because by the way this whole covington masvidal thing i'm just waiting for the day this gets confirmed but while we're sort of on the topic of fights not being made what would you say is one fight currently that seems unlikely and may fall through or you know just not get made that you desperately want to see and let's just rule out habib gsp because we saw you tell brian campbell on morning combat that you don't give a fuck if that one gets made i don't i mean i just don't, i mean you know that I mean, you want to talk about something that's just been teased for what years at this at this point? You know, it's like, oh Edging. God, who cares anymore? You know. Um, uh, okay, so that aside, um, man, I would like to see McGregor fight Ferguson rather than Poirier again. I think that'd be a missed opportunity if he doesn't. Um, I'd like to see John fight Francis, and I don't know if that's going to happen. 
because I don't know what's going to happen between Francis and Stipe. And I frankly want to see John versus Francis more than I want to see John versus Stipe. I'm not. What is it sure about that, that one? Because I, everyone kind of has that. I feel that as well. Yeah, and I don't know. I, I don't know that I have a good explanation for it. I couldn't tell you. Like, I, here's my five reasons why you should like this fight better. I don't know. I just kind of like it better. No, there's not. I don't really know that there's one out there right now that we just desperately need to see. I'll just say this. It would be nice to get Nate Diaz back in action one way or the other, 155 or 170. Mm. I think that's pretty important. Um, other than that, you know, Connor's back in rotation. Habib's on ice for what we can tell. And the rest of the world will just keep turning. This is the point I'm trying to make to MMA fans. It's like, dude, I've been a fan for the sport for a long fucking time. Like, if you just sit back and relax and let the sport come to you a little bit, yeah, is every fight you want going to get made? No. Are there going to be some real big fights that go by the way, uh, the wayside that you're going to be bitter about for a long time? Yes. But in general, dude, now that I'm covering boxing, oh my fucking God. Like, that sport <laughs> is so... I'm not I'm not even trying to do this bit like MMA guy hates on boxing because yeah. it, it's just it's stupid at this point. Like, it's a, it's a phenomenal sport. But, like, the architecture of the sport, it's got nothing... Once the guys are in the ring, this is not my criticism. It's actually everything before that. It's the architecture of the sport is such a bureaucratic nightmare. It is a nightmare. And so, like, trying to get a reasonable fight there, I cannot tell you how many times boxing fans are like, okay, it's not what we expected, but I'll take it. It's decent. <laughs> or, yeah, yeah no, this is fine. You almost never get, holy shit, they did the one that they were supposed to do. It does right. happen. It does happen. I don't want to say it never happens. But the regularity of this kind of stuff in MMA, and, again, that does come at the fighter's expense, Right, because they don't have a lot of protection, so that should be acknowledged as well. But at least for the moment, if you're an MMA fan, relax. By and large, you're going to get your needs met. I promise you, it, it will be just fine. Mm, I hope we see. I hope we live in a world where we see Adesanya versus John Jones at some yeah, point. I hope. Right I hope. Yes. A lot of things have to happen for that, and that's why it's kind of a juicy one because you're kind of, you know, watching the chips fall on either side. But I, I hope the roads lead to each other. But there he is, guys. Follow the man on Twitter and Instagram at L Thomas News. Of course, check out Morning Combat, dude. I love the banter between you and uh, Brian Campbell. You guys are just <laughs> fantastic it. together. I love tip to tip. I love everything you guys do. And uh, that is every Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, and that is 1 a.m. Tuesday nights here in Australia, which is a pretty good time. If you're a night owl like me, you can definitely uh, get your rocks off to that. And Luke, always appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Phil. Enjoy the fights.